All right. Good morning to you all. Um, we're in week five of the GOAT. Um, please join me in John chapter 9, verse 3, if you have your Bibles. If not, uh, we have everything you need on the screen there. John chapter 9. Uh, this is the gospel or the good news according to John. Uh, Jesus had 72 disciples, and within the 72, he had 12. Within those 12, he had three. And you had Peter, James, and John. And so John wrote his account of the life of Jesus. He also authored the book of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. He is also the author of the book of Revelation there at the end of your Bible, uh, a, a letter that we are uh, oftentimes afraid to read uh, because of its implications of the end times. But we're going to focus on the gospel according to John in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, and it says it here. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Verse 2. Rabbi, the word, the word rabbi means teacher or, or master. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, uh, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? And I love Jesus, verse 3. He says it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, this happened so the power of some translations say the glory of God could be seen in him so that the glory of God could be seen in him. We're going to stop right there for a second. Hey, did you receive your highlights sheet today? Yes, please. Uh, we'll get back to the scripture, but uh, I need all the time I can use. I don't know why I'm doing this, but um, highlights uh, paper here, please. You can just pull it up and uh, oblige. Uh, Super Steps 3 today, if you want to become a superhero, we'd love for you to, to join the team. Got about 10 people on this side of the church excited about serving Jesus. Um, first, <laughs> I love your laugh. Right? Um, first Steps, uh, March 11th, uh, if you just recently gave your heart to Christ, I'll be teaching uh, a little, I'll have a talk. I don't want to say class. I'll have a little talk on what your yes uh, looks like. Um, March 25th, uh, Mary Murphy from Family Services will be joining us right in here from 12 to 1 p.m. Uh, they're the largest nonprofit organization in Montgomery County, and uh, we want to put foot soldiers, we want to put feet on the ground. And we want to address the needs of our city um, as God continues to grow our church. Uh, Highlight Easter is a few weeks down the road. Yeah. Get excited. I remember last Easter, the room was about half the size. So God is definitely doing something in our midst. Um, Highlight Easter egg drop. I'm sorry. That's first. The egg drop is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Get your butts there to the egg drop. Last year, we, we hosted the first ever helicopter egg drop in Montgomery County history. We were like 
70 people, and we still did it. And um, a little funny story, as we were trying to find a fill to do the egg drop, um, we, we were calling around certain high schools, and uh, we got to the third high school, and they were like, we heard about you guys. They sent out an email telling us not to let you do it. So I'm like, wow, really? I'm going to find a way anyway. And we did. High courage. That's one of our values. We run towards things that scare us. Um, Jesus calls the disciples to do it all the time. So it's, it's a part of what you should do as a Christian. Um, and so, yeah, the egg drop dropped 8,000 eggs last year. This year we're going to pump it up to 11 or 12,000. Uh, we had 700 people. We're expecting double. And uh, we're dreaming big for Christ. We want to get Christ out here. You know, if, if, if this is the edge to where they say you can't do something. We want to be right there for Jesus. Right about there. You know, we don't want to we don't want to we don't want to sin or do anything crazy, but we want to be right there cuz eternity is on the line, right? Right? We can't take money with us. We can't we can't take we can't take all this stuff with us. It's it's going to be one day it's going to be us and Jesus and it's going to be what did you do with Christ? And so we as a church, we want to do everything we can do to get the good news of Christ out. And then highlight Easter on um, April 1st is coming and all that. So please take this home and uh, mark your calendars, and uh, it's going to be a great, great month coming up. I sense the excitement in the room. Um, so um, I sense the excitement in the room. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's me this morning, so let, let me take a swig. All right? Let me take a swig. Okay. Mm. All right. I want to bring a message to you entitled The Eye Doctor. The Eye Doctor. Um, yeah, The Eye Doctor. Okay. Many of us aren't sure where the next uh, week to month, six months to a year is going to take our lives. We don't, we don't know where we're headed. Um, we just, most of us are living day by day. Um, we're, we're trying to just make ends meet. Um, we want to be healthy. We, we want to be happy. Uh, you know, it's okay. We want to make it to our next vacation. And, and that's all good. It's nothing wrong with that. Um, most people aren't futuristics. Um, most aren't visionary in the sense of, man, I know for a fact that uh, by this time next year, I'm going to be in this position. And then you got those of us who just say, well, Tomorrow's never promised, so why dream anyway? And oftentimes when people say to me that tomorrow's never promised, um, I don't always say it out verbally, but I'm thinking in the back of my head, well, what if tomorrow is, right, as they say that? <laughs> and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a failure to prepare is um, preparing to fail. And so um, we, we just don't know because we can't see, and, and it's all good um, to just survive um, and, 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 to, and to just kind of make it through. Um, but I, I believe that God actually wants us to have vision. I believe he, he wants us to dream. Um, there's a psalm, I, I forget the number, but the psalmist says um, while, they're in, while they were in captivity and, and they had gotten released from uh, Babylonian captivity, the children of Israel. Uh, this psalmist wrote this psalm. I forget the number. You can you can research it. 
and, and, and they got back into the promised land. And he said, we are like those who dream again. And, and, and God allowed that to enter into the Bible, which tells me that God actually wants us to aspire to greater and to dream. And so, um, you know, but a lot of us are just kind of chucking away at it day by day, day by day. And, and, and that's that's fine. But God wants us to dream and he wants us to aspire for greater. God actually wants you to sit down and write down the things that you believe that he's placed on your heart. Um, because God is not afraid of your expectations. Um, but you need to write these things down. And so um, I just believe that no matter where you are, um, you can receive sight today. I think today is your day to receive spiritual sight. And uh, you're looking through your natural lenses, and, and all you see is your circumstance. You see the limitations. You see your past. You see your present. But you, don't, you can't see beyond that. And uh, as a result, a lot of us fall into uh, day by day. I just got to get through. I'm stressed today, but thank God I woke up another day. And God has so much more for you than that. And we enter into a narrative where <laughs> it's funny. It says a blind man. John doesn't even have the, the respect to tell us the, the name of this man. And the city and the village that he lives in, they probably just know him by the blind man. Um, he's much more than that. I mean, the Bible says that we were all created in God's image. That word in the Hebrew image means representation. So he's much more than a man. He actually has a name and there's actually a destiny attached to this man. But all we see is that he's a blind man. He he can't see. He can't see. And the disciples, they asked, they, they, they interviewed Christ. They said, why was he born this way? Was it because of something his parents did? And Jesus goes on and he says, no, it wasn't directly because of sin. It wasn't even because he did anything wrong. But it just is what it is. He's blind. And... Uh, we, we know things happen, and I don't want to be insensitive about this because it's fresh, and, and it's fresh in our hearts, but we saw the shooting there um, down in South Florida at the high school in Parkland, and uh, it, it took the lives of, of many up-and-coming children with a lot of potential. And oftentimes we ask, you know, why? Like, where was God? Like, why didn't he stop the bullets or... Why didn't he kind of change this kid's mind and send him on another way? Or where was, where was God in all this? And, and this scenario is kind of similar, right? Like he was born blind. So why didn't God, if God is good, if God is real, if God is love, why didn't God give him sight as he came out of the womb, right? <clears throat> and so, yeah, and, and I think that's a valid question. But it's funny how we, we never ask the question. Like I said, I don't want to be insensitive because it happened. And uh, I always tell people, you know, God, God was there. God, God, God was present. 
Um, the Bible speaks of angels being ministering spirits. Um, the angels were blocking this kid and, and ministering to the souls who, and the lives that were being taken, the souls that were leaving the body, the angels were taking those souls on to heaven or, you know, whatever these kids believed in, you know, God was there. Um, but it's funny how we often ask, where was God during the shooting? Follow me here, follow me, because this can s sound real insensitive, right? We asked where was God during the shooting, but we never asked where was God when we told that lie when we were last week. We never asked God when we were with someone that wasn't our spouse, when, when we were the ones. Because the Bible says that all sin is the same, be it murder or adultery or fornication or lying all sin is the same. Just like God didn't stop Cruz from doing the shooting. Hear me now. I'm a, I'm a pastor. He didn't stop you from telling that lie. Which tells me that there's a deeper, a deeper issue here. And so the disciples, they, they entreat. They say, why, why was he born blind? You know, their hearts were broken. The affection was there. Why, why was he born blind? I mean, did he sin? Did he? Jesus said, no. I mean, Indirectly, we understand that uh, when, when Adam and Eve bit the fruit, um, the curse was released upon the earth. The curse um, is the reason that we, we get tired. It's the reason why I'm preaching with a root canal pain right now. It's the reason why you have migraines. It's the reason why we die. Um, the curse that was released because of disobedience. So, yes, we could put it on sin, but Jesus is saying that this is kind of indirectly related to sin. And he, he brings home. Um, he brings home a different perspective. He says, this is for the glory of God. That this person was born blind. There's a greater plan. There's there. There's been a greater reason. Behind the dysfunction that many of his doctors, counselors, his parents, his friends have not yet identified. You note takers are giving me life right now. I'm going to preach this thing today. There's a greater reason behind the dysfunction. And so I, I believe that God wants to give you sight. But I also know that the reason why we can't see in different areas of our lives, or we can't see far, is because we've been damaged. The, the, the past has, has damaged us. Now, we can't even see the possibility of getting further in this area because of past, past damage. And so I want to bring my first point in the form of a question is it a setback or is it a setup? The eye doctor, y'all. Is it a setback? The damage and the negligence? Or is it a setup? Three times my, my left eye, and many of you know this, have been has been poked out, scratched. The cornea right in front of the uh, the iris, the, the color part of your eye that receives the light and makes the images. Um, 2005, varsity basketball practice. A guy named Anthony poked me out. 
he was a junior or a sophomore. I don't even know why he was on varsity, but I guess he was just as good as I was. I was a senior. Uh, 2015, my oldest boy, we were outside playing basketball, and I did a pump fake move. I didn't shoot, and as I was coming back down, he, boom, dead in my eye. And then about four months ago, in November, no, five, in November, my baby boy, we're, we're play fighting, same eye, and he goes with a left hook up and bam, in the same eye, and I'm in my room for anywhere between four or five days. Because let me tell you what happened right now, it's root canal pain and it's eye pain, and I don't know which to choose, but if I had to choose, I'd choose root canal. Just give me some amoxicillin, we can deal with the bacteria, and give me some ibuprofen, 800 milligrams, we can preach, all right? <laughs> but by the end of this, this thing is going to be bulking up. Eye pain, though, uh, when you close your eye, because that's all you can do, your eye is still moving in the back of your eyelid. And what's happening is, is that the surface of your eye is being peeled back every time it moves. And it's moving all the time. And so, <clears throat> on average, you're in your room in the dark for four to five days. And you're mad, and you're upset, and you're ticked off, and you're like, man, why couldn't Anthony have blocked my shot or kept his hands down? Or, or why didn't Jay, you know, play good defense? Instead, he's all up in my grill and up here, and it, it was a pump fake. He was supposed to jump, and I was supposed to come up like Jordan and shoot it and all. Why, 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 why? And then my, my son, why couldn't he, like, tickle me or something? He had to come and bam. And, and then I had a wedding to perform two days later. Chris and Megan's, your creative director and your administrator person. And you're upstairs in your room, and you're, you're teed because life is out of your control. I don't know if you've ever had this injury, so maybe I'm just preaching to myself. I, I hope it's, this is going to connect in a minute. Like, you're ticked off. You, you hear the boys running around and Kyra struggling and all this stuff, and you're in your room, and anytime you go somewhere, someone has to drive you, and they got to lead you to the bathroom, and, and, and you don't know where the seat is, and you're about to fall, and, and so you just, it, it, it just really sucks, and, and you ask yourself, why? Why did this have to happen? Why? Couldn't it have been different? And I would say around day, I say each time, the, the, the last two times, because I, I wasn't saved in 2005, the last two times, around day four, the, a certain peace enters the room because you're in dark. And you, what are you going to do? You're going to complain in the dark until you wake up and until you go to bed just 72 hours straight. At a certain point, you got to, you, you got to, something has to change, right? You're going to be here another two or three days. Just get used to it. So around day four for the past two times, I sense the spirit of God enter the room. And he just begins to minister to me. It's going to be okay. The kids are all right. I'm teaching Kyra something. You've been praying for her to change, but I'm a teacher or something. I'm teaching us. It's okay. And you, you stop asking why it happened. I'm preaching to about five people this morning. And you begin to ask, 
how can God get the glory? That's, that's a thriving believer. It's no longer why did it happen. It's how can he get the glory? It, it, it's, hmm. it, it's not why did this person leave or, or, or why did I make the bad mistake or why did I make the bad decision or where was my dad or where was my mom or where was my support system and my friends and, and what happened to that money? It's I am where I am. Now, how can God get the glory? That it we're going to we're going to move forward today. We're going to you're going to get vision. How can God get the glory at this job? How can God get the glory in my singleness? How can God get the glory after this divorce? How can God get the glory with this cancer? How can God get the glory with my addiction? How can God get the glory with my brokenness? That's what it has to become. It's no longer why. It's how can he get the glory. So Jesus introduces a perspective. We don't care about why the man, we care about it, but, and God's going to take, he's the eye doctor. He's going to take care of that. But let's address the perspective, the thought process behind it. In Romans 8, 28, in the uh, Amplify, says this, it says, and we know with great confidence, I love that, Amplify builds it out. Invest yourself in a, invest into an Amplified Bible. What that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good. Stop. Sometimes the greatest gift God can give you is perspective. It's not a physical healing. It's not a new friend. It's not a wife. It's not a husband. It's not a million dollars from the sky. The great, because if you got it, but you still have a jacked up perspective, you're going to lose it as soon as you get it. Why did you get it? Was it for God's glory? This isn't a, okay, let me be here. We'll deal with that in another series. God's glory. So this is the thing. Jesus says it was not for sin, but it was for God's is for God's power. Paul just tells the church in Rome that all things, broken things, things that make me tired, things that tee me off, illness, addiction, affliction, backbiters, criticizers, failures, broken, all things work together for the good. All things work together for the good. For those who are loved and called, who love God and are called according to his plan and his purpose. So number one, the plan existed before the person. Number two, the purpose, the reason by which this has happened predates the person. So God's plan existed before you even got in a rut. 
and I don't mean to be insensitive about it, but sometimes it's God's plan for you to be in the rut so that he can get the glory. So this is the thing. His promise must become my perspective. All right, I'm a, here's why, here's why, I'm looking for life. His promise must become my perspective. What's the promise? That all things work together for the good. <laughs> the devil just lost right there. He's, he's done. I was telling my wife the other day that um, I've begun to process setback as set up. And I've gotten to the place where quitting on Jesus is never an option. And Satan can't do anything with a person who refuses to quit. He can't do anything with a person who refuses to quit. So his promise must become our perspective. The perspective enables us to proceed, and God gets the glory. There's going to be a future you that people remember five years back, and they're going to wonder, how in the world did you go from here to here? And the only thing that can explain the gap of growth is the fact that God's power was worked out in your process, but they don't know that the secret is, is that it was your perspective was his promise. Your perspective was his promise. Let's keep going here. John uh, 9, 4 through 5, and it says this. It says, we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. This is Jesus. The night is coming, and then no one can work. What is Christ saying? He's saying that the time of judgment is coming. I'm going to die, rise, and I'm going to come back. It's going to be this judgment. The unbelievers on the left, they're going into eternity without God. Believers on the right hand of God, the hand of favor, power, and strength, they're going to spend eternity with God. It's going to be over. So he's telling his disciples, we have things to do. We have to get people to heaven. There's a commission on our lives. He says, so we have an assignment. Verse 5. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. And what we have to do is we got to take people from darkness and we have to introduce them to the light. The word in the Greek there means enlightenment. So when people meet Jesus authentically, everything opens up and they can see. He is the eye doctor. And so this is my point number two for you today is that there is an assignment on your life. There is an assignment on your life. And Jesus is the goat, the greatest of all time. And one of the things that made him the goat was that he had a clarity of his assignment. You have an assignment. There, there's a reason you're here, and it's not to make a check. It, it's something greater than that. There, there's an assignment. There's some research done here. The benefits of self Listness and people. You want to know my research? Great. Here it is. Most recently, a new study of genetic effects of happiness found that humans are rewarded with healthy gene activity when we are unselfish. To reach this conclusion, researchers from the University of North Carolina 
and the University of California, Los Angeles, had 80 healthy volunteers complete an online questionnaire. And they were asked why they felt so satisfied with their lives. Then the researchers drew blood and analyzed the white blood cells to see their gene expression, a complex process by which genes direct the production of proteins that control immune response. People whose happiness was based on a sense of higher purpose and service to others, sorry, I lost my thing, service to others had gene markers indicating low levels of inflammation, which has been linked to the development of cancer and heart disease. By the same token, people whose happiness was based on material things and servicing their own needs first had gene markers indicating poor immune response and greater vulnerability to infection. They appeared to be at an increased risk of cancer, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. Many other studies confirm the same conclusion. Some may wonder why. Apparently, selflessness promotes deeper positive social in integration, distraction from self-preoccupation, enhanced meaning and purpose, a more active lifestyle, and the presence of positive emotions, such as kindness, that displace harmful negative emotional states. So anyone wanting to look out for number one may very well want to start putting other people's needs first. Jesus, Luke 4, 18 through 19, don't worry about it. He said, I was anointed and I was sent to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind, to announce that this is the good year. Jesus understood that my assignment is to bring life to others. And it's what made him the greatest of all time. So what this study is saying is, is that when, when we become my, when, when we wake up and, 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 the, and the eternal storyteller and the dialogue is me and what I don't have and what I haven't achieved and who's not in my life and the money I don't have and all of this, what this is saying is, is that we are more susceptible to sickness to negativity, to poverty, to a lack of growth when it's all about us. Let me finish this. I love this research. It says this here. It says this. So anyone wanting to look out for number one, blah, 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 volunteering, random acts of kindness, selflessness, and generosity of both time and spirit actually pay huge dividends, not just to others, but also to oneself. The moral of the story it pays to think of others first. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Grace is a free gift. God won't love you any more or any less than he loves you today. Based upon what you do, it, it, it's not it's not based upon works. It's, it's grace. It's it's a free gift. So you can give a billion dollars to an orphanage in Africa, but if you don't believe in Jesus, the one who was perfect, and died for your sins, your billion dollars to, to an orphanage in Africa is null and void. You're you're attempting to appease God through works when God just simply loves you, because of what His Son has done for you. And it says this here. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward. There it is for good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. I love this. 
for we are God's masterpiece. The word masterpiece in the Greek, which is the original language, you always hear me saying the Greek and the Hebrew, that's the original language that this was translated in. That masterpiece there is a result of architecture. Meaning that God, when he, when he put you together, when he formed you in your mother's womb, he was very specific and intentional about who you were going to be and the gifts that you were going to possess and the possibilities that he locked on the inside of you. You got you to gotta parallel this with Psalm 139, verses 16 through 19, 13 through 19, where he says, you formed me in my mother's womb. All of my days were written before I was born. Your workmanship is marvelous. David got into a mirror and he looked at himself and he said, oh, my God, I have I have a mind. And, and I can think and, and and I have my own genius and I have my own gifting and I have a heart and I have a heartbeat and I have legs and I have feet and and I have I have muscles and, and oh my look at oh my look at me and, and and David understood that the reason you created me so marvelous not so that I could sit in a corner and gather dust oh some of y'all missing the point you forgot the point you forgot that there's an assignment on your life y'all think I'm getting no 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 th- there's there's an assignment on your life. Let me tell you how much you're worth. This is why a paycheck is not, (laughs) this is why a paycheck ain't good enough. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die for the world. Guess how much you're worth to God? The world. So what is a $3,000 paycheck in the eyes of God? And you're coming home ticked off about it. There's an assignment on your life. Architecture. Anytime an architecture sits down and designs something, he does it or she does it for a purpose. This mic has a purpose. Thank God he doesn't just develop a finger and cut himself off. This TV has a purpose. This table has a purpose. The chairs you sit in have a purpose beyond themselves. And God saved humans for last. So why do we think that we were created just for ourselves? (sighs) You got a purpose. There's an assignment. Let me show you how this works out. Okay. You have an assignment. Your assignment starts with your affliction. Your affliction. Yeah. So, so Jesus, the Bible says that he's God in a bod. Sammy Joe, my girl, Sammy Joe in the building. He's God in a bod. And so God, who is holy, took on human flesh. And Hebrews tells us that he understands all of our pains and our struggles. Everything we ever went through, God understands it. And so when Jesus was upon the earth, he was afflicted by the struggle that we have to endure and that we go through. Therefore, he gives you his mission statement in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. I have come to set the oppressed free, to give the blind sight. Because God being in the flesh, he's no longer God up in heaven, but he understands now what humans have to go through. So he becomes afflicted when he's born. 
he, 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 he experiences the sin nature. He's afflicted. He's afflicted. Many of us have been afflicted by unhealthy relationships, mom or dad not being there, someone breaking our hearts. We, we've, been, we've been afflicted, troubled, burdened. And so, and so the plan of Satan is this. So that you miss your assignment, because I haven't even gotten to step two. Step three is assignment. We're at step one with affliction. The plan of Satan is this, Abu. It's that you would focus on your affliction and allow it to fester. And so what Satan has us do is he has us medicate the affliction by means of entertainment, pleasure, and seeking money. Only to find out that when we wake up every morning, if we don't have the peace of Jesus in our hearts, we're still not whole and there's still a void. Because we're trying to medicate the affliction. But material things and people don't have the capacity to fill that void. So Satan wants us to fester. And if I fester, I only focus on me. And when I focus on my affliction, step two, it never gets the chance to develop into affection. For others that suffer the same afflictions. In Christ... You develop an affinity for others that have suffered and that are suffering the same afflictions that you did in the past. And it becomes an affection for their afflictions. And so, once you develop the affection for the afflictions, of others that Christ has given you victory over, you step into your assignment. So, 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 so Jesus takes our pain, and once we allow him to heal our pain, it creates a pathway for others to find freedom. Jesus takes our hurt, and he turns us into heroes. He knew that circumstance, that situation, that disaster, that heartache, that heartbreak was coming your way. But what he needs you to do is not focus on the affliction, but to step into your assignment. One of the greatest things, and it's not just because she's my wife, but one of the greatest things about Kyra is that she told me a few years ago that the reason why she did what she did before she knew Christ is because she didn't know Christ. And now she understands that the answer for women is not a man. Because guess what? You don't make me whole. I, I was whole before I met you. You know, we got a math, one half plus one half equals one. That's not so in relationships. 
you are a whole you matter of fact i'll say this you have to be a whole person before you marry that individual and i said i wouldn't say this earlier so jesus said this you know they say about relationships and stuff about um about uh about divorce and, and all that look th- this is the thing jesus said this whoever god has put together let no man separate there's a qualifier there And a lot of times, not just marriage, we dive into things that God has not introduced us to. And we wonder why one year, five years, ten years down the road, it doesn't work out. Because God never called you to that in the first place. So what he's going to do with the pain you're having to endure is he, he wants you to process it. Because you know what? There's a generation that's coming behind you that's making the same decisions that you made. And so now you've been called to help set them free and to show them the light. And I just, I just pray and I hope that I'm not talking to a spoiled church. That where we're too blessed to have a heart for those who are afflicted. The quality of your life is directly correlated to the clarity of your assignment. The quality, the the joy, the peace, the fulfillment, it's directly correlated to the clarity of your assignment. This church has an assignment. I'm going to stay here because I can do the last point within five minutes. This church has an assignment. This is why I'm glad that Mary Murphy is showing up, shameless plug, (coughs) on March 25th. Because much like I shared a few weeks ago, you have teenage mothers, 12, 13. Um, You have the mentally ill right here in this city. You, You have so many people struggling with so many things. And, and the church needs to wake up. I don't understand how we went from Jesus, 12 disciples, changing the world, literally, <laughs> to we become this, this macrocosm of God, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. There's, there's, a, there's a separation from what we see with the apostles Versus how we currently live out our faith. And the key is, is this. <clears throat> As we say yes to blessing others, God will always say yes to blessing us. It's, it's an outward thinking. It's get off yourself. Stop being myopic. It's not about you. It's about Jesus, and it's about them. And as you invest and as you pour out, and that's, that's, that's our word for the year as a church. It's so, and it's, it's poor. As we pour out more, as we preach this gospel, as we share more, as we love more, we gave 14000 last year to outreach. We want to give thirty this year. As we give more, God's going to bless us with more. There's a key here. And, and, and so you, you get this idea that the disciples are still dealing with some self-condemnation. Jesus is like, man, get past that. 
I, I, we need to heal this guy because if we heal this guy, he's going to heal more people. Yeah, get past that. I'm not mad at you. I love you. I've called you. I've set you free. Now I'm calling you to do a greater work. I'm not mad at you. That's what the Lord is saying. There's an assignment, and we got work to do, and I'm about to dip in about a year on this cross, so we need to get this straight now. So glad Mary Murphy's coming. I pray that you've signed up. Whether you're a superhero or not, please sign up. This is our vision. Once every month, we want uh, foot soldiers, boots on the ground with our outreach partners. Once every month. We're already giving a chunk of our 10% of the offering to our outreach partners every month. Last year, we struggled with this. We served five or four or five times. We cleaned their buildings. This year, we want to work with their clients. We want to heal people. That's why we came 1,000, 2,000 miles away from New York. We want people to be healed and set free. There's an assignment on your life. And, uh, uh, a lot of you are waiting to, to enter into school and to take this next step of your life. There are hundreds of people waiting on you to take that next step. The people in this room, the people that we don't know and that, that have been here, I'll say this with a godly pride. Not my, there were, you all were waiting on me to tell my campus pastor in February of 2015 that, hey, guys, I love you, but God has put a vision on my heart. Not, 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 I, I saw it with spiritual eyes, but I didn't know Rachel and Aaron. I, I, didn't, I didn't know any of you. No, no, I would meet you a year and a half, two years later. But I had to step out because there is an assignment. And this is the word of God right here. It says this. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. Come on up, um, Seraphim. Close me out. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Here's the promise. His promise has to be my perspective. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. There's an assignment on your life. It starts with the affliction. The things you've had to endure, that's your assignment. But you've got to allow it to develop into a, an agape love, an unconditional love for others who go through what you go through. And you've, that's your purpose right there. You need to supplement it with education, with mentors. You need to do it because it's a commodity in society. And let me, something for my entrepreneurs. Don't go after the money. Create a solution for the needs of people, and the money will come. You don't have to pay me for that. Just put something in the offering. We're going to read this here. John 9, <laughs> 6 through 11. Let's finish it out. We're going to read then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. I love it because Jesus was giving him a new beginning. He was saying, look, 
I'm, number one, I'm about to do some weird stuff, so it's okay if God's doing weird stuff in your life. He's probably in the process of healing you. And so he said, your existence all your life has been sit. I'm going to hit the reset button, and for the rest of your life, you're going to be sent. Do we see that? You're going to be sent. And so he says this here. So the man went and washed and came back seeing his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Isn't this old girl, old boy? Some said he was and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? We want to know because even though we can see, we're broken. That's really what we're asking. We want to know. He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes. And he told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. My third and final point, try to wrap this up. You haven't seen your best days yet. You haven't seen your best days yet. What I'm picking up here on the scripture is recognition. They didn't recognize him. He didn't recognize himself because he's never seen himself. He knew it was him who received the healing, but he didn't recognize himself. This is what I want to say. I want to say that the future you will not recognize the you of today. But will the future you appreciate the you of today? Because what I see in the text is I see a man who trusted Jesus in the process that he called them to. Mud, go. Mud, go. We have a work to do. Okay, Jesus is going to heal me in an instant. Bam, there's the miracle. Not always. Sometimes it's mud and go. And as you obey through the process, your best days as you remain faithful in your marriage, husbands and wives, as you love your children and you raise them up in a context where they can know Jesus, not shoving it down their throats. If they don't want to go, don't force them to go. Pray for them. As you honor your supervisors, as you honor the process of school, as you submit to spiritual leadership, as you budget your money, whatever the process is, your best days are on the other side of that process. I haven't seen my best days yet, nor have you. Last Psalm, Psalm 27, 13 through 14 says this. I remain confident of this. Here it is. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. 
I will see it. You, you're going to see the goodness. You're, you're going to see the finance increase. You're going to see your spirit mature. You're, you're going to make more connections. God's going to open up greater doors. You're going to discover your assignment. You're going to discover your purpose. God is going to bring relationships into your life. Blessings are going to fall from heaven. That addiction won't hold you. I will see the goodness. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. Let's bow our heads, church. Lord, we love you this morning. We give you all the honor, all the praise. And Jesus, I thank you for every soul in this room. Sorry. <laughs> Lord, we love you. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want to give you this opportunity right now. Every head bowed, let's pray, let's intercede for those who need salvation, who need forgiveness, who need mercy and love. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, the Lord loves you. All of your sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. If you would make him your savior, you can have a new beginning this morning. And on the count of three, don't let Satan talk you out of this. It'll be the greatest decision you'll ever make. You just raise your hand and raise it high. We want to pray with you. We want to support you and encourage you in your journey. Oh, man, it's already up. I'm going to just go ahead and speed this up. My hand's already up. Keep praying, church. One, two, three. Raise those hands high. Raise them high. If you're coming back to Jesus... If it's your first time, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hey, let's pray this prayer with them, church. Thank you. Let's repeat. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you are the Son of God. I make you my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sin. Holy Spirit. Make your home in my heart. Make me new. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, church. God bless you. <laughs>